Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Children's Trust Fund podcast. I'm Kirk Schreiber, Executive Director for the Missouri Children's Trust Fund, and joining me today is Emily Van Schenkoff, Deputy Director for Missouri Kids First, and Marissa Gunther, Prevention Coordinator for Missouri Kids First. Welcome, Emily and Marissa. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Well, thank you for being here today. I know that Missouri Kids First has been very busy over the last year with coordinating the state task force on child sexual abuse prevention and assisting with getting the task force final report together, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. But first, for those that aren't familiar with Missouri Kids First, perhaps you could explain a little bit about um, your mission, work, and purpose. Absolutely. Missouri Kids First is a statewide organization that works to address and prevent child abuse. We do that in a variety of ways. We have a a very active legislative and public policy presence, um, and we also do a lot of training We do training around prevention. We do training with multidisciplinary teams working to address uh, child abuse. And then we do uh, a lot of prevention work, so really trying to work with communities and teach communities what it takes to create a a state that is safer for Missouri's children. Yeah, our prevention work is very education-based, and we would like to build awareness within communities and organizations. And to engage partners, uh, we believe it's every adult's responsibility to protect children from abuse, and that's what we like to do with our prevention work. Maybe you could tell our listeners uh, about the Task Force on the Prevention of Sexual Abuse of Children, and I'm, and I'm really interested in you describing maybe what prompted the creation of the task force, uh, who is responsible for creating it, um, who are the members that make up the task force, and how long have you all been together? The task force originated in 2011, and it was a part of the Amy Hester Law um, that uh, kind of revised and addressed some of the problems around um, uh, sexual violence in school settings. Um, But one of the pieces of that piece of legislation was to create a task force on the prevention of sexual abuse of children. Um, And that task force was charged with studying the issue of child sexual abuse and coming up with strategies that could prevent child sexual abuse. Around the beginning of 2012, and the task force began to assemble, um, one of the kind of, one of the original barriers of starting off at the task force was that there was no funding attached to it. And so um, all of the all of the entities and partners, we were struggling with who was going to coordinate the, the efforts of the task force because everybody knew that anyone who took on that would be taking on a fairly significant amount of responsibility without any funding attached to it. So a lot of our state agencies were hesitant to take on that. And so Missouri Kids First, um, when we were having some discussions with the governor's office, um, perhaps in our naivete, um, offered to take on that role because uh, preventing child sexual abuse is critical to our mission. It's foundational. Um, so when we heard that they were struggling with finding someone to coordinate it, um, we we really stepped right in and said, well, we'd, we'd be happy to take that responsibility. And so we um, assembled and coordinated the first meeting of the task force. And at that meeting, they designated Missouri Kids First Executive Director Joy Osterley as the presiding officer of the task force. And so... Um, So throughout 2012, we met. We met monthly. Um, We had four public hearings throughout the state. 
and we engaged in an extremely deliberative process of trying to understand what this issue was all about. So the, the task force is made up was made up of 15 members, and I do want to point out the task force ended on um, December 31st, and so the task force no longer exists um, according to statute, but it was made up of 15 people with a variety of different expertise. Um, we had four legislators who were involved, child abuse pediatrician, we had members of the educational community, members of the law enforcement community, domestic violence representatives, children's division, the Department of Health and Senior Services. So there was a wide array of knowledge at the table and people who saw the issue a little bit differently. And at times that could be a bit of a struggle because, you know, prosecutors see this a little bit differently than someone who's doing child abuse prevention on the ground. But it ended up being really beneficial to the task force because we all learned so much about the different systems. And one of the things that we're most proud of in this report is it is very comprehensive. It does not just focus on one aspect of child sexual abuse. Um, it is not just about education, but we also focused on statutory changes. We also focused on the multidisciplinary response to the investigation and prosecution of um, child sex crimes. So we ended up with a very comprehensive report that we believe offers a foundation for moving forward with this work. And I would add, in addition to the 15 task force members, that we also relied on the expertise of 35 folks around the state uh, who gave testimony at four public hearings. And the uh, again, the expertise and the knowledge they were able to provide from their experience really helped craft this report as well. Before we get into the specifics of the report, I just kind of want to back up a little bit. You know, we, we just hear a lot in the news about child sexual abuse, child sex crimes, and these horrific, horrific cases. You know, how big a problem is, you know, child sex abuse nationally as, as well as here in, in this state? I think it's pretty common to read the word epidemic uh, in a lot of reports about child sexual abuse um, here in Missouri now and also around the country, that it is epidemic in proportion. Experts and research estimate that around 25% of girls and 16% of boys will be sexually abused before their 18th birthday. We call child sexual abuse a silent epidemic because um, it is something that so many children and adults carry with them. Um, but it is not something that we see, the, the devastation of child sexual abuse is not something that we readily see all around us. And so it's silent, it's hidden. Children typically wait a tremendous amount of time before they disclose. I was um, just at the Capitol earlier this week talking to a survivor who said that she hadn't talked, told about her experience until two years ago, and this was a 50-year-old woman. And so there are so many people who carry this with them. And, you know, the the studies do say that... Uh, 25% of girls, 16% of boys. So this is a substantial part of our population that suffers this. And I think that we've seen in the last couple of years the the number of stories that have come out that this is really happening all over the place. It doesn't happen in a particular part of society. It happens all over the world, all over the country, all over the state. And we're just sort of as a society beginning to realize, oh, geez, we better start talking about this because talking about this is one of our biggest barriers. Um, one of the things that I've struggled with personally as a professional is that I have felt like sometimes people act like I'm impolite when I mention, when I say the word child sexual abuse, they kind of cringe, like, oh, that's not something we say in polite society. And so I've learned to work through that as a professional and be okay with making people uncomfortable because we have to do that. So it, it is a giant problem throughout our country. Um, as far as statewide, I don't think that, in my opinion, it is very hard to look at population-based estimates on a statewide level because 
those types of studies simply haven't been done. So I can't tell you if child sexual abuse is more common in Missouri than it is in the rest of the country. There is no reason to believe that it is any more common or less common in Missouri. Um, if you look at the number of substantiations from the children's division, it's a number around 2,000. Um, but we know that that is, a, that, is, that is a tip of the iceberg. What we see in our newspapers around the crimes that are happening in communities, what we see from substantiations of children's division reports, this is the tip of the iceberg. And there's so much underneath that. Mm -hmm. And you can really only get that through national thus far nationally based studies right. that have sort of looked at population. And there are estimates that 9 out of 10 children aren't reporting. So even if there were studies done, they would only capture those who were reporting. So a final report was released by the task force in December to our elected officials and policymakers. Uh, you received a lot of positive media coverage. I know there was a press release at the Capitol on the uh, the day that uh, the task force released the report. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the report. First of all, kind of, the, again, the process or what went into how the, the final recommendations uh, were developed. How did the task force come to the conclusion of, of the final recommendations, and, and what were some of those specific recommendations made? As Marissa said earlier, we had 15 task force members, and we took testimony from 35 individuals at public hearings. And then we had a number of partners that uh, were not officially task force members, but were people that were so interested. We invited anyone and everyone that wanted to come to these meetings to come to them. We were not exclusionary at all. If you care about this issue, you are welcome at the table. And so we had a number of people who were not task force members, but were experts and who wanted to participate in it. So when we got done with the public hearings, we assembled basically binders of information that were summaries of all the meetings and that included testimony that was written that hadn't been um, given verbally at the hearings. And we sent that information out to all the task force members and asked them to basically prepare memos um, on what they wanted to see in the task force report. And then I went through all of the, the memos and all of the information that we received, and I tried to kind of do a theme analysis. So, you know, uh, let's say um, six people said, we have got to talk about doing comprehensive child sexual abuse prevention training. So that was something that went at the top. So I kind of did an analysis of kind of top to bottom, we heard this 12 times to we heard this only one time. And then it was a very deliberative process of working through that and making sure that everyone with the task force was really comfortable with everything in the report. We really considered this to be a consensus document. And so I told them what, what we told the task force members is, you all have veto power. If there's anything here that you cannot live with, then I need you to say that and it won't be a part of the report. At the same time, if there are things in here that don't fully resonate with you, maybe it's not, you don't quite get it, then probably we should just let that go. But let's make sure that we all feel good about this report. And so we had a number of meetings just kind of honing that document where we had hard discussions about really every piece of this report. Do we include this? Do we not include this? What's our tone when we talk about this? Have we emphasized this enough? Um, so we went from this kind of like thematic analysis to a document that was really a reflection of probably 20 people. And we over like probably all through the fall, we worked on refining and refining and refining so that we were all comfortable with the language in it, with the suggestions in it. 
So it was so important to us that we all had a lot of buy-in into this. And whether or not you were a task force member or whether or not you were a stakeholder, we wanted you to be able to see your imprint on this and that what was important to you was in here because we're going to rely on the people who participated in this process in large part to do the work. So if our task force isn't invested, if our stakeholders aren't invested, then we don't have anything that's going to mean anything. One of the things we did at the kind of end of the process, which gave me a little bit of um, heartburn, I have to say, as someone who is working so intimately on this, was we created a series of appendices that are more in-depth information on how to do this. And that was very hard to produce at kind of at the late part of the game. But we wanted to be able to not just issue recommendations, but provide people with concrete sort of things. Like if you're a prosecutor, these are some things that you should be doing if you want to be really effective at prosecuting child sexual abuse crimes. Within the 22 recommendations, there are several themes. And overall, I would say the report is pretty comprehensive, all the recommendations together. There's not just one approach, there are multiple approaches, primary prevention, secondary and tertiary. So we're looking at preventing it before it starts, intervention, training for those who help intervene and uh, react to child sexual abuse, uh, those professionals, and also treatment for children who have been sexually abused. So we have four recommendations for community-based child sexual abuse prevention education, educating children, parents, youth-serving organizations and uh, schools, as well as community-wide education. And that includes policymakers, community leaders, folks who might funnel funding down into programs. Other recommendations cover professional training and technical assistance for uh, multidisciplinary team members. They're the coordinated response to um, intervening to child sexual abuse cases, uh, as well as training for mandated reporters providing them with knowledge and support, mental health services and treatment for survivors, uh, an awareness campaign, uh, some recommendations about funding, and statutory changes. It seemed like a lot of the recommendations were not necessarily creating something new, but integrating child sexual abuse prevention programming into what organizations and communities are already doing. There is there is no one way to do this, and we there's so much good going on in our communities already. So we tried to take things that so a lot of the recommendations in the task force report people are doing all over the state. So we're trying to highlight the good things that are going on. We also really tried to talk about trying. To to integrate child sexual abuse into existing programs. That was really important to the task force. There, I, We believe in a strength-based approach, and I know the Children's Trust Fund believes in a strength-based approach. So how do you, the existing programs that are already doing a wonderful job reaching out to vulnerable families, how can we integrate child sexual abuse into what they're already doing? So this isn't something massively new. It's not an entire... Um, it's not an entirely new program. It's saying take the strength of what you're already doing and increase your capacity to talk about the issue of child sexual abuse and how to incorporate it into your existing programming. So if we're comfortable with going into people's homes and talking to them about what they can do around storing poisons or how to comfort a colicky baby, why can't we begin to talk to parents about how to become protective? One of the things that we do know is that one of the most important things that parents can do is just to be very careful about who they leave their children with. It's one of the most mm -hmm. important decisions parents make is who do I trust with my child and who do I not trust with my child? So these are things that we have to begin to increase our capacity to do. So a lot of this isn't fundamentally groundbreaking, earth-shattering stuff, um, but we wanted to highlight what the task force really believed was working well and what we, what we wanted to happen, to see happening in more places of the state. What do you see as the next step toward implementing some or all of these recommendations? 
Well, one of the things that we keep saying at Missouri Kids First is a report is just a report. We have seen a million reports created, um, and this report, if nobody does anything with it, this report will just be another report. So the first step, actually making this report mean something, is to begin to um, sort of actively push the process of asking the stakeholders who are a part of this process, asking the task force members to each do a little something in order to be able to incorporate or implement this report. So there are pieces around community-based child sexual abuse prevention that isn't appropriate for a prosecutor to be doing. But um, a prosecutor could take some of the pieces around multidisciplinary team excellence and implement that. So we all have different roles and functions. Missouri Kids First is really hoping to spend a lot of time in the next year really um, working with our partners, working with existing task force members, working with stakeholders to see how people can begin implementing this in small ways. And, you know, one of the really cool things about the development process of the report was the the energy and the momentum that the task force members really built uh, individually and also together as a unit. And Missouri Kids First really wants to capitalize on the energy momentum that exists. Uh, right now, the report is getting a lot of press coverage. We're seeing reports about it around the state and even nationally. And task force members are really excited about that. And they're excited about the investment that they've had in this process. What can we as average citizens do both to help to implement these recommendations in the report uh, as well as prevent child sexual abuse? Well, the, the way that I like to talk about child abuse prevention is it can be very simple. You can take very simple steps. It doesn't have to be a huge, overwhelming campaign or decision. It could be as simple as just going from not being aware to being aware of it, educating yourself, attend a child sexual abuse prevention education class, or bring one to your community, bring one to your school. Have conversations with your children if you haven't started already. Talk to your kids about their body parts and what is appropriate touch and not appropriate touch. Very simple things. Or bring awareness to your community. April is Child Abuse Prevention Month. Uh, Missouri Kids First has a Pinwheels for Prevention campaign. And if you want to you know, shine some light on the issue, bring pinwheels to your community and, and engage people in talking about it. Or call your, your state representative and talk to them about how important the issue is to you and and, and again, shine a light to them on, on what the issue looks like in your community. Finally, where can somebody access this report and how do they get in touch with you? Well, the, the report is on our website, www.missourikidsfirst.org. And um, we encourage um, anyone who's interested in taking part um, in helping to implement the report or helping to do something in their own community um, to get a hold of Missouri Kids First. Um, Marissa, um, our prevention coordinator, is going to really be um, happily answers all of those questions, all of those emails, and is eager to talk to people who want to do this. Um, you know, my sort of role as the deputy director is um, more to help with the, the policy implementation, so to try to work with our state agencies to see what pieces they can do in the task force report and to start implementing, and we're already working on some of the statutory changes in here. You know, our office, we we love to hear from people who, who want to help in this, and, um, you know, Marissa does a lot of training out in community on how to prevent child sexual abuse. And, um, you know, while it's hard to have a small staff, I will tell you every time we get someone on the phone who wants to be a part of the solution to prevent child sexual abuse, it's uplifting to us to know that we are certainly not alone um, in this endeavor. And mm -hmm. so we're, we're in a good place right now, and we really do encourage anyone who wants to talk to us more to give us a call. Now, I do have one last question. You said the task force uh, officially ended in December after completing uh, their work in which mm -hmm. they were originally charged. Will they continue to meet? 
We will continue to meet. Absolutely. We're not there. They are now no longer an official task force. And so they're no longer officially task force members, but we are now all a a group of people with a lot of cohesion and a lot of understanding and a lot of mutual respect. Um, We intend to meet four times this year. Um, We intend Missouri Kids First intends to meet with every task force member. Um, in the next couple of months to talk to them about what they can do. So we continue, We hope this group will continue to meet um, and we'll continue to work to implement the report um, because this is just the beginning. As exciting and as wonderful and as hard as it was to do this, this is just the beginning. Well, again, thank you both for the work that, that you do, the work of Missouri Kids First and uh, the entire task force uh, to protect children and uh, also just for sharing your knowledge and expertise today. We would really enjoy having you back uh, sometime to uh, maybe update our listeners with uh, recommendations and, and progress that the task force uh, is making. Thank you to all of you for listening to this and our other podcasts. And please remember that we all have a responsibility to keep our children safe.